This podcast is from the Rand Corporation, a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more Rand analysis, reports, and commentary on issues at the forefront of today's policy debate, visit www.rand.org. Um, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us today, and thank you for your interest in our topic. My name is Johanna Zmud, and I'm the director of RAND's Transportation Space and Technology Program. And I need to let you know that today's briefing is being recorded. A video will be available online at www.rand.org, or you can listen to today's briefing by subscribing to RAND's Congressional Briefing Series podcast on iTunes. The information provided in today's briefing is based on a two-phase study for the Transportation Research Board. A team led by RAND researchers first assess alternative mechanisms for implementing VMTs in the near term, and then in the second phase outlined a plan for large-scale system trials to further evaluate the most promising concepts. The study was conducted under financing from the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials, AASHTO. So I'd like to introduce Zhang Li, who serves as a, as Associate Director for Finance at AASHTO. In this role, he helps develop AASHTO's policy positions in matters relating to funding and finance. Zhang. Thank you, Johanna. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to participate in the welcoming remarks. I'll keep it very brief. Uh, as you know, many of you know, AASHTO represents the state transportation departments in all 50 states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico. And having been around since uh, 1914, we've seen the evolution of how we've paid for our transportation network through the different eras. And undoubtedly, right now, I think we're facing a serious investment backlog. As uh, the two congressionally chartered commissions have stated, we're spending about we need to spend about $200 billion per year, and we're spending less than $90 billion of that. Um, and at the same time, we all recognize that the long-term sustainability of the current gas tax-based uh, funding framework is not exactly sustainable. Um, and so to that end, we have pushed for a significant pilot program in the next surface transportation authorization that will allow us to make the necessary transition towards the successor of the gas tax, and I think really based on the user pay, user benefit model of the gas tax, we feel that the vehicle miles traveled fee really represents the most sensible form of how uh, users would pay to access the road network in the future, but we really need to address a number of policy concerns uh, going forward, and as such, as Joanna mentioned, we commissioned through the Transportation Research Board of the National Academies to ask the RAND Corporation to uh, report on designing exactly the system trial on the vehicle miles uh, traveled fee that we need. And so we're very pleased uh, with the resulting product that really is the main topic of today's discussion. And I would like to thank Lisa Ecola and her colleagues at the RAND Corporation uh, for their excellent, excellent work. Thank you. Thank you, Jung. So I'm pleased to introduce Lisa Ekela, who is one of the key researchers on the study that will be reported today. Lisa is a transportation policy researcher at RAND, and she brings research and analytical expertise on issues ranging from smart growth to transportation demand management and transportation finance and, e and equity, as in today's briefing. And again, I want to thank you all for your interest in today's topic and uh, really overwhelmed with the, the, the interest and support. Thank you. Lisa. 
Thanks very much, Johanna. Thanks, John. Um, warm welcome to everybody here. It's great to see so many people out for this topic. Uh, I am Lisa Eckel. I do transportation research at RAND, and I'll be talking about the second of the two reports that John alluded to that we had done for um, the National Cooperative Highway Research Program. Uh, just a brief note on terminology. I'll be using, uh, as I am able to, the phrase mileage-based user fees. It's still not quite tripping off my tongue yet. Um, they're also known as vehicle miles travel fees, VMT fees. I'll be using those two terms for our purposes today interchangeably. Um, I'd also like to announce the lead author of this report is Paul Sorensen, a RAND colleague in our Santa Monica office. Uh, let me just set the stage here a bit. Um, as Jung mentioned, we are ha the main problem in our surface transportation funding is that the shortfall between our revenues and our needs continues to grow. Uh, we look to mileage-based user fees as a promising avenue um, to put our transportation funding on a more sustainable footing. Uh, but there are a lot of issues that we need to deal with above and beyond the technological um, issues. Uh, and we, uh, what we looked at in our paper was a series of trials that would help resolve some of these issues. So the things that I'll, I'll cover, my, excuse me, cover in my briefing today are the, you know, exactly what our revenue shortfall consists of, uh, the goals of this particular study, uh, what we learned from the recommendations of the Finance Commission, um, some high-level observations from the people that we interviewed, uh, some possible frameworks for transition from our current fuel tax-based system to a potential future MBUF system. And when I say transition here, it's possible that um, at some point in the future we rely entirely on a VMT-based system. It's also possible that fuel taxes and VMT fees will coexist for some period of time. Uh, and finally, some specific suggestions for how the trial should unfold. Uh, so I probably don't need to spend too much time on this with this audience, that our fuel tax receipts are not keeping pace. Um, essentially, we are earning fewer and fewer dollars per mile of travel um, as inflation erodes the, uh, the value of the fuel tax. You know, we haven't raised it in almost 20 years. Um, and also the issue of vehicles that have improved fuel economy. And the more these are adopted in the vehicle fleet in this country, the worse this problem is going to become. Uh, this chart shows you kind of over a 50-year time span how both of these uh, possible bases for transportation funding have been growing. Uh, it starts in 1980 and shows you know, actual data through about the current day. Uh, and you can see that the solid line, which, which represents vehicle miles traveled, um, has grown basically twice as fast as fuel consumption. Uh, and the forecasts on the right-hand side of the chart show the, pro the projected growth through 2030. So you can see that VMT, fees, uh, VMT, although it's declined a little bit in the past few years, uh, is widely anticipated to continue growing on far outpacing fuel consumption, which is essentially um, growing very little over that 20-year time period. Uh, so why are we so interested in mileage-based user fees? Well, above and beyond the possibility of a more stable revenue stream, uh, we have some things we can do with MBUF that we can't do with a gas tax. Uh, for example, we can use them to deal with congestion problems because we might be able to do pricing based on location and time of day. Uh, we may be able to offer value-added services to drivers for things like pay-as-you-drive insurance or getting uh, alerts about safety issues. Uh, and we might be able to use the real-time travel data that we collect from these instrumented vehicles for planning and operations. You know, a state DOT or a local DOT could know where real-time congestion is occurring and you know, possibly change the message boards or things like that. So why do we need to study this further? The uh, MBUF has been implemented in about half a dozen European countries to collect tolls from trucks um, on a mileage basis. Uh, so, but there are a number of uncertainties beyond these technical issues that we really need to resolve. Uh, one of these is the functional requirements of the system. Which of these policy goals do we want to try to achieve with MBUF? Uh, what are the costs going to be of implementing and operating this system? 
uh, one of the key advantages of the gas tax is that it costs only about 1% of revenues to administer. Uh, we don't have definitive figures yet on MBUF, uh, but some ongoing research suggests, uh, also through TRB, that it might be in the neighborhood of 5 to 10% of, of revenue. So it's a, it's a much larger piece of uh, the revenues altogether. Uh, institutional roles, what is the proper role of the federal government vis-a-vis -vis the states? What institution will be responsible for collecting these fees, for enforcing them? Uh, and finally, some major challenges with public acceptance, and in particular with regard to privacy. So the goal of our study was to look at how we could use a large-scale trial program to try to resolve some of these issues. Uh, there are basically three sources of information that we relied on. We reviewed existing implementations as well as some of the pilot programs we've done here in the U.S. I won't uh, talk any further about these today. Uh, secondly, we looked at the Finance Commission and some of their recommendations for what the system should include. Uh, and finally, we did our own series of expert interviews as well as a workshop here in D.C. Uh, to get additional input and insights. Uh, so let me talk a little bit about the Finance Commission recommendation. This is one of two commissions that was mandated by Congress under the last transportation reauthorization, the Safety Lou Bill. Uh, and they, they set out a number of attributes that the system should have. We should be able to price or you know, collect fees uh, from different levels of government. We should be able to collect tolls, congestion fees, emissions fees, a wide range of things we should be able to use the system for. Uh, secondly, a set of general attributes. Uh, this system should be reliable and secure. We should be able to transfer revenue between uh, you know, uh, different states if you're driving some miles in Virginia and some in Maryland, for example. Uh, we want people to know what they are paying. We want to protect people's privacy. Uh, and we want to make sure that drivers aren't paying both. As I said, even if there is an eventual full transition to MBUF, there is probably going to be some period where both systems are in place. So we want people to be paying one or the other, but not both. Um, and in terms of the technical characteristics, uh, we want this to be integrated with intelligent transportation systems. There's a lot of work right now, for example, on vehicle to um, highway or vehicle to vehicle um, communication. Um, all these technological systems should fit together. We want to be able to uh, have this installed on new vehicles as well as on our existing fleet, which turns over about every 15 years or so. Uh, and finally, we want to have a set of federal technical standards. Um, what we don't want is a system where you need different technology to, to pay in Virginia versus in Maryland. We'd like a system where you can drive through all the states uh, with one technology. Um, unlike the system we have now with electronic toll collection, I live here in D.C., I have an easy pass. I can't drive to Florida and pay Florida tolls with my easy pass. I need a different system to do that. What the Finance Commission leads you to is a system that would be based on GPS. It's the only available technology currently that can do all of these things, that can tell what jurisdiction you're in, what route you're on, at the time of day you're traveling, and so forth. Uh, but what that segues me into is the fact that there are other possibilities for technology, and these are some of the things that we looked at in our first report. Uh, there are odometer-based systems. There's a possibility of using fuel consumption estimates at a pay-at-the-pump system. Uh, there's possibility for just doing some tolling, which wouldn't capture all miles. Uh, and then there are different systems uh, that are based on an onboard unit, which would be a device actually in the vehicle. GPS at the bottom, you can see here the, the large circles mean we have a full capability. It's the only technology that has this full capability. Uh, it's also the one that has the most potential obstacles, however, um, in both in enforcement and um, it raises a lot of privacy concerns. And as I mentioned earlier, we still lack a lot of good information on the cost of these systems. The shaded cells here represent areas where we think more research is needed. Uh, and I show these mostly to talk about the interplay between our policy goals and our technology. Um, what we decide to do with this system is going to very directly influence the technology that we choose to implement. Uh, let me shift now to talking about the stakeholder interviews that we conducted. 
We talked to nearly 70 people, several of which are in this room, I believe. Uh, at the federal level, we talked to USDOT, FHWA, to RITA, to Treasury, to the IRS. At the state level, we talked to Departments of Transportation, also spoke with um, people representing state legislatures. For our first report, we also interviewed a number of departments of motor vehicles. Uh, on the industry side, we talked to the companies that might manufacture these devices, uh, the companies that act as back office operations for electronic toll collection, uh, auto insurance, as well as stakeholder groups such as environmental advocacy organizations. And we asked people questions that are divided into these six areas. Sort of the management issues of overseeing and leading the trials, the number of vehicles, the costs, uh, which policy options we should explore in the trials, uh, which institutional options we should look at, um, and finally, is there a way we can use the trials themselves to build greater public acceptance through some type of outreach campaign? Uh, so here are some of the high-level things that we heard. Uh, I think uh, here in D.C., the most important of these is the first point, that federal leadership is critical. We talked to more than one state who said, we're very, uh, you know, our own fuel tax revenues are down. We're very interested in this possibility. We're following what's going on in Oregon, University of Iowa, some of the well-known trials. But we don't want to take action until we know what the federal government is going to do. So a very clear sense that without federal leadership in this issue, a lot of the states are, are in kind of a wait and see pattern. Um, secondly, that the trials um, are worth investing um, whatever we need to do to see what our outcome is going to be. We asked people, what do you think the trials should cost? Or what do you think the trials will cost? They said, I don't know, but we need to pay whatever it takes. And obviously it's not their money, it's easy <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, there was a sense that this is really a huge paradigm shift. We've been using fuel taxes for nearly a century. Uh, we have, there's a lot of things we need to learn, and we really have to get this right. Um, which kind of leads to the third point here, which is that we want to ideally reach the end of the trial period knowing everything that we think is important to know. We don't want unanswered questions left lingering. Uh, we should address additional policy goals. If we go through this enormous, complex transformation, only to collect revenue based on miles driven as opposed to fuel consumption, it's really not worth it. We need to be able to have more capacity, more capabilities in the new system. Uh, the, the obstacles are a largely cost, public acceptance. Um, another point I probably don't need to belabor here is a general mistrust in government programs. It's going to be a difficult issue. Uh, we should draw lessons learned from our past programs, both positive and negative. Several people, for example, mentioned that the um, TIGER program at USDOT is a good way to allocate funding on a competitive basis. Uh, and finally, that the authorizing legislation should really set the broad parameters of the program, but not get too down into the weeds. Uh, let me talk about what we're calling the frameworks here. And this is not something we expected to write about in this report. We had perhaps a naive idea that we would talk to all these experts and this consensus would emerge and our report would basically summarize this consensus. And in some cases there was consensus, but there were other questions we asked where we got very divergent responses. For example, we asked people, how many vehicles do you think should be in the trials? Well, some people said a few thousand, somebody said a million. And we started thinking, well, what's responsible for this divergence in responses that we're hearing? Uh, and in our conversations, we started thinking about the idea that people had different visions for how this eventual transition to MBUF was going to take place. Uh, is it going to be at the state level first or at the federal level first? Is it going to be fairly soon? Is it going to be a long gradual transition? Is it voluntary? Is it mandatory? And, and so their responses to our questions, which really um, focused on the trial program, were linked to their broader ideas about how to conduct this transition. And so we uh, talked in our report about these three different frameworks, federal, state, and market. And this really refers to which of these entities is sort of, I have to make one transportation pun, in the driver's seat. All of them would be involved in any type of transition. 
So let me talk a little bit about these frameworks. The federal framework, the idea is that we begin with a federal VMT fee. We structure it in such a way and use the technology in such a way that states can add their own fees on top of it, or perhaps even local jurisdictions. Uh, and each of these frameworks, um, not surprisingly, has advantages and some limitations. The advantages of the federal framework are that we're dealing pretty directly with the Highway Trust Fund, which is a, the, kind of the biggest source of crisis right now. It probably provides the best chance for economies of scale because we're looking at possibly, you know, instrumenting several hundred million vehicles as opposed to a few million. Uh, ideally, the system becomes interoperable because we're rolling it out on a nationwide basis. And it lets the states concentrate on policy issues rather than having to work through technology issues. On the downside, it's probably much more difficult to build that federal consensus than it is within one state. Um, a point I think does not get enough attention is that it's not clear how we're going to enforce a federal VMT fee. The states control two really important instruments of implementation. They have vehicle registration databases and they have state highway patrols. We don't have those things at the federal level. If you have a federal fee uh, and it's being implemented in a state that doesn't have its own fee, who is going to take care of those things? Um, and that leads to the last point here, which is that the federal government, because it doesn't have those things, it also lacks incentives to uh, encourage people to make this voluntary switch. Um, if you're a state, you can say, well, we're going to waive your vehicle registration fee if you agree to pay VMT fees. We can't do that at the federal level. We don't have a federal vehicle registration fee. The state framework is in some sense a mirror image of this, so the federal government funds states to develop their own programs, uh, and then eventually it will spread, ideally, to multiple states and lead into, a, at a later point, a federal fee. Uh, and so all the advantages and disadvantages of this are kind of the mirror image. It's easier to build consensus. We have more opportunities for voluntary adoption. Uh, states have the enforcement resources. Uh, and it's also probably more, it's probably easier for a state to transition directly to full implementation after trial than for the federal government to do so. Uh, on the downside, you know, we're not addressing the highway trust fund problems. Uh, we have more risk of a system that's not interoperable, not as much economy of scale. Um, and this last uh, piece here, it, 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 we have the challenge of if you're a state that's only, that you're the only state in your region that's collecting these fees, what are you doing about the fact that some mileage in your state is probably driven by people who reside in other states? Uh, do you forego that revenue? Do you set up some other type of system to do that? Uh, maybe if you're California or Texas, this isn't such a big, uh, this is such a big problem, but if you're Delaware, this is probably a fairly uh, big challenge. I'm finally the market framework, which is a little bit more outside the box, I would say, and this was suggested to us by people in the private sector. Uh, the idea here is that we're developing a market for onboard devices that can offer a number of types of applications, and by the way, you can pay your mileage-based fee with these as well. Uh, this is very deliberately envisioned as a long, gradual transition, and at least initially an entirely voluntary one. Some of the advantages here are that ideally, the competition from the private sector uh, leads us to more cost control as well as innovation. Uh, the fact that it is uh, excuse me, specifically structured as voluntary um, probably does away with a lot of the public acceptance concerns. You know, for example, no one forces you to buy an easy pass, it's just there if you want it. Um, and finally, if people are you know, buying these devices voluntarily, you know, they're going to continue to use them even if MBUF doesn't kind of go the way we're planning to. So we're not making a big investment in technology that, that might you know, go to waste. Um, on the downside, it's not clear how we would, uh, whether we would compel people to pay VMT fees if it's meant to be a voluntary system. You might like the applications that come with your device, um, but be perfectly happy continuing to pay fuel taxes. Uh, it's not clear there's a mass market for these. Uh, again, I live in D.C. I would love to have something in my car that would let me pay parking fees. I pay, well, we pay them quite often. If I lived in rural Indiana, I probably would never pay any parking fees, and that app is not attractive to me. 
Um, finally, with a, a heavier private sector involvement, these trials just might be a little bit more complicated to manage. And so the $64,000 question is, well, which of these frameworks should we use? We did not make a, excuse me, a recommendation in our paper. And in talking with people since our report came out, we would not say that we've heard any kind of consensus around which of these frameworks is most important. Each of them had really, the advantages are very compelling. We'd love to have a national system. We want states to go ahead and not wait. We want to have competition. We want it to be voluntary. And while it may be possible to structure a trial in such a way that we can mix some of these elements, you know, I don't think it's possible to structure a trial. We have all the advantages of every framework and none of the disadvantages. There are some real policy trade-offs to make here. Finally, let me talk about some of the things we heard through our interviews about how the trials themselves might be designed. In terms of oversight and management, the consensus was sort of that we need three different bodies um, overseeing the trials at different, in different ways. Um, first, that we have a high-level oversight panel who's dealing with the big policy issues. Uh, this almost certainly consists of USDOT, of the Treasury, of AASHTO. Uh, it might be advisable to involve other types of stakeholder groups as well, or they might participate through you know, other types of comment periods or giving input to that panel. Secondly, we need some type of technical working group that's dealing with the standards issue. Um, hopefully they can draw on research that's already been done in Europe about interoperability. We would also ask them to look at how to certify technology providers to ensure that they meet these standards. Um, both of those are probably bodies that would be created for these specific functions. Um, the third of these is more of a working level organization that would be doing things like writing requests for proposals, managing the money that goes to fund the trials, doing other types of analytical, R&D studies, education, and so forth. Uh, this might be an existing agency. Several people mentioned TRB as a possibility, or it might be something, again, created for this purpose. Uh, also consensus that the trial should be larger and longer than previous pilots we've done in this country. Um, the, the Oregon was a couple of hundred vehicles. The University of Iowa trials were a couple of thousand. So this is going to be quite a bit bigger. Um, generally speaking, people agree about four to six trials taking place in different states with competitively awarded funding. The period of the trials would be four to six years, including some time for preparation, several years of data gathering, uh, and some evaluation period. And probably each trial is on the order of 10 to 20,000 vehicles. We multiply that out, probably overall in dealing with 50 to 100,000 vehicles. Uh, as I said before, uh, there was an idea that the trials require significant investment. Um, very few people we talked to had a, a, any sort of cost ideas in mind. So these are our own figures that we developed based on uh, previous pilot studies, the most recent Euro European implementation for trucks. Uh, we came out with about two to $4,000 per vehicle, which includes both fixed costs of any trial as well as um, costs that vary with the number of vehicles. We multiply this out again, it comes to about one to $400 million. And how we would award the funding probably depends on the framework that we're working in. If it's a state or federal framework, um, probably a state would lead a team to apply to receive funding to conduct a trial. States would probably include DOTs, but possibly might also include state departments of motor vehicles as well as state revenue agencies. At least one person said to us during the interviews, you know, if this is just a state DOT program, this is going to fail. You really need to involve the revenue agencies at this point. Uh, those teams might also though, include things like metropolitan planning organizations or the technology providers. Um, under a market framework, this would probably operate a little bit differently. Um, our thought here is that the federal government would contract with a handful of technology providers 
um, and making them kind of trusted providers who would have a, kind of a protected market for the period of time that the trials are taking place during. Um, then the teams would apply for federal funding, and they might be led by states, but possibly you could open it up to other types of organizations. Uh, and they would work with these trusted providers to design and carry out their trials. Um, it was, uh, there was a lot of consensus around awarding uh, funding for the trials competitively, and there were sort of three elements of what criteria we would use to select um, those teams. So required criteria, every team has to have these things. Optional, these might be criteria that are you know, above and beyond the minimum uh, that would give your team an advantage. Um, and a set of collective criteria you know, that we want to have these things included in the, in the set of trials, not obviously in every one. Um, and, and so these, these different examples might um, vary, but these are some of the things that we heard. Um, the all trials need to have uh, sim uh, excuse me, simulated collection of fees. You know, the people are participating, they should know either on a, a weekly or monthly basis, this is how much you would have paid if you've been paying um, a VMT fee this, this period. We need options for cash payment. Um, I was surprised to learn during the course of this research that about 10% of U.S. households don't have bank accounts, 15% don't have credit cards. If this is to be a universal system, we need op other options for payment. We need to look at ways to prevent evasion, um, maybe even to the point of offering a financial incentive to people to cheat. We need to know where the holes are in the system. Um, and finally, if it's an area with a toll system, we need to look at in, uh, issues of interoperability with electronic toll collection. In terms of the optional criteria, maybe you get more points for doing things like looking at variable, fee variable fees, for, uh, for example, congestion or emissions fees, um, using these devices to pay parking fees, using travel data for different types of planning, um, collecting actual fees, so you're actually bringing in the revenue. When we talked to some states about this, uh, we heard that in many states they would need state legislation to be able to do this. The simulated is not a problem. If you're actually collecting fees, you need to have state legislation. This might be a, a source of significant delay in some states. Looking at methods for rebating fuel taxes, um, and finally looking at how we might deal with vehicles from out of state or from Canada and Mexico and states that border those countries. Finally, collectively, we want to look at both passenger vehicles as well as trucks. We want to have trials in different regions of the country. Almost everyone we talked to said you need to have not only urban but rural trials. Uh, and we want at least one multi-state trial to look at this issue of apportioning revenue based on mileage uh, driven in different states. Uh, finally, in terms of the design of the trials, there should be some other things going on at the same time that we are doing the trials. We need to be dealing with some of the nuts and bolts of revenue collection and uh, that Treasury and IRS should be uh, working with some of these billing providers, um, looking at mechanisms to collect fees, how do we audit them, how do we enforce them, and so forth. We need to be doing some technical R&D, working on things like price maps or uh, detailed GPS digital maps, doing education and outreach, you know, could this program be branded somehow, are we going to use social media and so forth, uh, and different types of planning and policy guidance. Uh, so a couple of things I will leave you with. I know that the figure I threw out before, the one to 400 million, it's a little daunting. Uh, but I encourage you to put it in context of what we are not uh, gaining in revenue by continuing to be on a fuel consumption-based system. Uh, and we had some figures in our first report. If we switched on a revenue-neutral basis in 2015 to a VMT fee system, in other words, we collect the same amount of money in 2015 as we would have with the gas tax, uh, within 15 years we would have collected an extra 8.5 billion simply because VMT is rising that much faster. Um, and as I said before, this is a major effort. We really need to get this right and learn as much as we can before we make some decisions here. That's the end of my prepared remarks. Uh, I assume we have enough time for questions and I'd be happy to take some.
This presentation is provided as a public service by the RAND Corporation. Visit www.rand.org to learn more about these issues and to explore RAND's free online library of more than 10,000 policy reports and commentaries.